<laughs> How awesome is that? Man, the DMV in Michigan looks a whole lot different than the DMV in Broward. <laughs> My salvation is tested every time I go to the driver's license station. Come on. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Awesome. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Darren Davis. For all the first-time guests here, we're so glad that you're in this place, and we welcome you. We're wanting you to feel like home here. Um, we had a really kind of chilled out Thanksgiving this year in South Florida. Um, beautiful time down here, loving the weather. Come on, somebody. And uh, Saturday, I don't know if you guys saw, I was up early. Wendy and I go for walks every morning. What a beautiful sunrise on Saturday morning. It's amazing. One of the most beautiful I've ever seen in South Florida. So it was a good weekend. Um, if you could be praying for my wife, she had to leave out. Um, Saturday morning after our walk to go to South Carolina where she's from. Her father, who's been suffering battling Parkinson's, has really taken a turn for the worst, and um, she just needed to be with them, be with the family, and, and so if you could keep them in prayer, I'd really, really appreciate that, okay? So anyhow, we're going to have a good morning. We're actually wrapping up our build series today because we're moving into Advent season as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. And we're going to be positioning ourselves as we go into the month of December in a series on what we're calling the Advent Conspiracy. How many of you know that we're here on the earth as believers to change and shift culture, right? So, you know, it's, it's, all of our stories are different. We all were raised in different areas. There's beauty to the journey of our lives and, and the cultural context in which we were all brought up. That, that goes for the rest of the world as well. But how many of you know if our culture that we were raised in doesn't align with the kingdom culture, that the kingdom culture is supposed to win out? Come on, right? And so that's where we, that's where we exercise the love of God to see those realms changed. I mean, it, my entire journey following Jesus, that's what God's been working on. He's been working on my heart to say, Darren, this, this part of your heart, there's some, there's some brokenness here, there's some dysfunction, there's some ungodly belief systems that I need you to repent of. In other words, tear those thoughts down and replace them with the word of God, which is the truth of God, right, in their stead, and then see transformation come out of that, right? So we're going to come into this Advent conspiracy together, which conspiracy, if you think about that word, it literally means to act in harmony towards a common end. And how many of you know, in our culture in America, round about this season, things go crazy out there into the retail space, right? I mean, Black Friday has now become Doomsday Thursday. Come on, somebody. What is going on? I mean, I was at, I was at uh, Kohl's on Thursday, which was awesome because I got two, uh, two items that I really wanted for a big discounted price and some Kohl's cash. But there was a, there was a, a massive line of people waiting to get into the store. And I don't know if you noticed on, on one of the news broadcasts, you know, you have a couple of, of ladies rolling around on the floor in Walmart fighting over a TV. Come on, somebody. We need to see that changed, right? So as we conspire together, um, come into harmony with one another to see a common end, here's what we're going to go for in the month of December, okay? We're going to worship extravagantly together in this season. Because how many of you know that Advent is all about extravagant worship, Right? It's all about extravagant worship. And we're going to spend less. Spend 
less. A lot of times we think that, man, buying all this stuff is going to make things better. And how many of you know oftentimes it doesn't? Especially when the credit cards come due in January. Can I get an amen? So we're going to spend less. And then we're going to give more. We're going to give more to other people. And one of the things that we're wanting to do on December 16th, everybody say December 16th, we're going to take up an offering for people in our community that we're going to give 100% of what we receive to them to bless their lives. And we're going to be sharing with you about who these people are and how that's going to carry on in to 2019. Because we have to discipline ourselves to say, God, we're going to partner you with it in this way. We're not in this for us. We're in this for our community, and we're going to give more. And then we're going to love all. How many of you agree with that, right? So we're going to conspire together. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus for that. It's going to be awesome, an awesome month. We're going to act in harmony towards a common end. It's going to be good. It's going to be culturally different, and it's going to be a good thing. Amen. So as we wrap up today, our Build series Um, We've been looking at building other people, which we're trying to inspire our hearts to really enter into partnership with God and what he's doing on the earth. And last week, as I looked at the culture that we're trying to cultivate here, which I'm going to do today again, um, I looked at the culture last week because it's important for us to grab a hold of the culture of God. I looked at the culture of us being a people of prayer and how prayer is really simply coming to a place where we can see clearly so that we can come and verbalize agreement with what we're seeing God doing on the earth, right? And, and as we agree, as we, we come into this agreement, it sets things in motion to see things change because there's a power behind that. Now, I, I know that sounds kind of ethereal and somewhat super spiritual, but let me just put it in context like this. When I'm walking through situations with my wife and we're trying to get to the other side of, of something that we're, that we're facing, How many of you know it's important for me, if I really want to hear what she's trying to communicate for me, to me, is to listen. Guys, this is huge. Just drag with me here. If you want to get to the other side of of challenges or situations that you're walking through, and you want to really see something powerful take place with your spouse, all you have to do is listen, right? Right? And so when you hear, here's what I do. I practice this with Wendy. Okay, this is what I believe that I heard you say to me. And I communicate it back to her. And oftentimes she's like, no, that's not what I said at all. Here's what I really said. You know, then we try it again. We keep going through this exercise until I get it right. Come on, somebody. And then when I get it right, then we, we, we come into a place of agreement. Agreement is powerful. We looked at this last week, how... Through agreement, the covenant of God is established on the earth. The writer of Hebrews said that. It's, it's through an agreement that we say yes and amen to that things are set into motion. It's very important. So, so that's how we, we come into understanding culture. We listen. We see, oh, my God, that's it. Yes and amen to that. And then things begin to set in forward motion, and we begin to see change. You guys tracking with me? So this morning, I want to talk about the culture of being a thankful people, the culture of thanksgiving and how powerful that is to move things forward in society, in our lives, in our families, in our day in and day out, going in and going out in Jesus' name, and how we're going to see really something powerful transpire 
when we open up our hearts because we as the harbor are a thankful people. That's who we are as a culture. We are a thankful people. There's a song that, that says this in one of the verses. It says, a thankful heart prepares the way for things to happen. I actually believe, you know, it's no coincidence that we celebrate Thanksgiving before we see Advent. So thanks makes space for Jesus to come, okay? We see that in the natural with our culture. It's the way it works in the spiritual as well, all right? So I want you to turn with me. We're just going to look at one verse today, one simple verse, and then we're going to dive into this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. And here's what Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthians, how many of you know that Corinth was a culture diametrically opposed to the kingdom of God? And the Apostle Paul went into this culture to shape that culture into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. So he's teaching them from this verse. And look what he says. For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. Let's pause right there. How many of you know we can't give away anything that we don't have for ourselves? Is anybody awake this morning? You see, the only way we can see anything transformed is for us to be transformed in ourselves. We're looking for the world to be changed, and really God wants to change us. Our focus needs to be on God's working on the inside of our heart. And he says, listen, I'm able to pass this on to you because I actually received this for myself. That's where there's authority. You have authority to say and talk about things when you yourself are walking in the grace of those things. It's why there's such a process and a journey in our maturity as leaders in our society. How many of you know this is not an overnight transformation? It's a complete finished work at the moment of our salvation, but the manifestation of God pulling that work out of us takes some time, right? So Paul is saying, listen, I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Now here it is. Here's what he's talking about. Here's the context. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and did what? Gave thanks. You know, fall season, in my opinion, is a very, very special time. But I must confess, as a resident of South Florida, it is one of the most difficult seasons for me to navigate with joy. And the reason is because I was raised up in another context as a kid where I was able to see with my eyes the transition from fall to winter taking place. Can anybody else resonate? I love this community. This is home for me. By the grace of God, Winnie and I are going to live and we're going to die in this place. And, and No, actually, we're going to see Jesus come back first. Come on. <laughs> when I don't like the thought of death, I just look for the coming of Jesus. Come on, to give comfort to my heart. But anyhow, we're going to live and die in this place, but we, and we love this place. But, but there's something about seeing um, the transition from fall to winter, the cooler air. Come on, it's hard to drink a pumpkin latte down here when it's 80 degrees. You know what I mean? You shift to the cold brew in that moment. You know what I'm talking about? I get a cold brew pumpkin latte. (laughs) The cooler air, 
right? The fall colors. They, they start round about, depending on where you're from, round about September. They, get, they really start to peak in October. They're, 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 they're full on in, in, in November, actually declining, with, with the culmination, interestingly enough, being on Thanksgiving holiday. Thanksgiving holiday. In fact, there's, a, there's an automatic shift after Thanksgiving, right, into the winter season and into the Advent season. It's when we have permission to put up our Christmas trees, right? It's almost taboo if you put your Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. I mean, the day after Thanksgiving, I was out at Lowe's picking up our Christmas tree and putting it up in our house. I mean, you know, this is where all the, the, the transition and the decor begins to take place as we move from harvest time into the coming of Jesus. The fall decor comes down. The tr- Christmas tree and trimmings go up. Pumpkins are replaced by poinsettias. You know what I'm talking about? This is what's happening. But I was thinking about it. I was like, Lord, harvest season, then Advent, shouldn't it be the other way around? God comes, then we're thankful. But he said, no. Thankfulness makes the space and the environment for him to come. I believe it's in the attitude of our thankful heart that the kingdom of God actually manifests. You know, I was looking at this 2015 study by Harvard on the seven benefits of being a thankful people, and this is not a Christian study, by the way. But look at this with me. Did you know that being thankful, number one, opens the door to more relationships? Or having favor with people would be another way of saying it. Having a thankful heart will give you favor with people out there in the world. Number two, did you know that it improves physical health, having a thankful heart? Did you know the highest being of heart health studied and proven out by cardiologists comes from having a thankful spirit on the inside of you? Number three, it improves psychological health. It actually, a thankful heart dismantles toxic emotions. Do you know toxic emotions are one of the the biggest causes for disease in the earth today? stress and all the stuff that comes along with that. But thankfulness will shift that in your very being. Number four, it enhances, having a thankful heart enhances empathy and reduces aggression. It actually has a positive effect on your behavior, having a thankful heart. Number five, it gives you a higher sleep quality. You know, I'm learning this now. Did you know that if you get eight hours of sleep, your body stays in ketosis longer, and that provides greater weight loss and fitness over your life? Did you know that? Do you know you lose weight when you sleep? Come on. That's an amazing diet. Get eight hours, and you'll lose some weight. I love that. Number six, it improves self-esteem. When you have self-esteem, it positions you for optimal living. It really does. And last one is this. It increases mental strength. There's reducing stress, and that bolsters your ability 
to more effectively navigate adversity. How many of you know that we face adversity in life, and that is never going to change, my friends? If you're looking for the great escape to somewhere where there's no problems, you are living in la-la land. So the, so the issue is, if we can never escape challenges and adversity, how do we get to the other side of it? How do we see the kingdom of God manifest in the midst of trials? The answer being a thankful person and having a thankful heart. So here's what I want to do. I just want to, to look at the key here in Corinthians that God is wanting to give us to unlock some things. You see, we have a value for gathering and coming and sitting under the word of the Lord because we want to have keys of understanding that we can go out and apply in our sphere of influence to unlock things where we've been stuck, where we can see motion of God moving in our workplace, in our families, in, in whatever sphere that you place, place, God's placed you in so that we can see something happen. We're here unified in our gathering for the sake of mission. We're not here just to have another service. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on, come on. We're here to go do something on Monday, all right? And so we're going to take these keys and we're going to start to apply them. So as I talk about this this morning, I want you to say, okay, God, as I understand, as I see today, as I'm able to hear, would you give me the ability to put these things into practice? So as Paul's talking back to the verse, and he's passing on to them what he received from the Lord himself, he says that on the night that he was betrayed... He took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. So Paul was building up these people by giving them a key of contextual kingdom culture so that when they faced adversity, they would know what to do. In fact, I believe it's a textbook of example on how the power of God is made perfect in the midst of our weakness through simply giving thanks. Because sometimes in our most greatest trials, we're like, Lord, we, just, we don't have any hope. And we need to be so hope-filled in the midst of our trials. So, Jesus, when he was facing this trial... Instead of going, oh my God, 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 what's going to happen? Oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my, oh God, Father, what am I? He goes, thank you. Now here's a couple of important things just, just to think about, because I thought about this. I'm actually very encouraged that even the Son of God experienced challenges, weakness, and even failure. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because, you know, oftentimes religion is so irrelevant when it's presented in X way. And Paul is trying to make this super relevant to the Corinthians who are trying to deal with an adverse culture that as believers is now coming against them and causing them to be inflicted by many adversities. 
suffering on multitudes of levels, and I'm sure tons of failures as they're trying to navigate the complexities of seeing the kingdom of God come into an antichrist system. How many of you feel that? Even in our own culture, right? Yet the Son of God himself experienced challenges, feelings of weakness, even a failure here, with one of his closest friends. Yet, he didn't allow himself to stay stuck in that place, but he postured himself to experience, come on, listen to me here, something otherworldly. You see, if we're stuck... Please hear my heart here as we we get ready to finish this year and we move into a new season of Advent, the coming of Christ, and to a new year. God does not have it for any of us to stay stuck. But in order to get out of being stuck, you have to posture yourself to experience something otherworldly. I'm not trying to sound like flippant here, but listen, without encounter, there's no way to really move forward into something with power and potency where weakness is being replaced by power perfected in the midst of a moment where you find yourself where you're like, I just can't do it in my own strength. That's a perfect opportunity to posture yourself, to say, God, I need to have you move in this moment. And he did it by simply giving thanks. Because how many of you know that in the culture of this world, to give thanks in the midst of betrayal is not the social norm? Betrayal in the social norm is an eye for an eye, baby. Come on. You betray me, hey, I'm cool, but now I'm going to get you, you know? Didn't start this fight, but I'm going to end it, right? You know, that's how we respond. And I was thinking, besides being tempted to retaliate, I'm certain the devil was in the ear of Jesus, telling him how much of a failure he was as a Messiah. Think about this. I'm sure he said something like this. You can't even save the few guys that the Father has entrusted to your care. How on earth are you going to save the whole world? See, there's moments where we have these seemingly little opportunities and we just can't even bring it to the finish line with those. And the enemy's right there just going, I knew it. You are worthless. You don't have anything to bring to this world. Why don't you just quit? Can I be honest? There has been so many times, whether it be on Monday or whatever day of the week, that something happens and that thing hits me and I'm like, my God, what am I doing? Maybe I should just hang it up. And then you get that one email or one phone call or one text or in a moment with Jesus, something strengthens you again. And when you were in a bad attitude, you simply speak out, God, I'm so thankful for the privilege of serving you. 
So here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with three things that I believe we can learn from this and what Paul was able to pass on to the Corinthians. All right? Ready? I want you to write these down because I want you to apply these to your life on Monday, tomorrow, all right? And the first one is this. I believe that Paul was trying to teach them that there is grace from God, number one, to see the things that God is doing and be thankful for what he's doing. You see, as humans, listen to me, we have the propensity to focus our attention on what isn't happening versus what is happening. So what would this look like? What if as a church we did a negativity fast? Come on, it's holiday season, so we need to eat, so let's just fast negativity. There's ham and there's cookies to be had, so let's just fast negativity. I think I was listening to Bill Johnson one time, and he said, I will love everybody, but I won't surround myself at all with negative people. Negative people are toxic because they talk sick. And that's no condemnation on any of us. I mean, we've all been there. But trust me, God is not wanting us to look at what he isn't doing. He wants us to look at what he is doing and celebrate there. Just this last week, we had a a survey that we did on our community, maybe it was a few weeks ago, and it was, it's, it's more than a survey. There was a group of men, leaders, that studied 70,000 churches from across the world. And they found that within these 70,000 churches, that there were eight characteristics of church communities that, that positioned them in a way that they were healthy, vibrant, growing, and actually affecting the culture that they were in. So they were transformed people who were transforming culture. And there was these eight characteristics common to all 70,000 of these churches. And so we got our results back. And you know what I found myself doing? Not looking at the top four characteristics that the harbor had. I started looking at the bottom four. Come on, I'm confessing this morning. This is really vulnerable, all right? And, 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 the, and the guy that was helping us, he says, isn't it awesome that the harbor is in the top 15% of churches in the entire world that carry one of the characteristics, which is a heart for passionate spirituality. In other words, they love Jesus with all of their hearts. We're in the top 15% of all the churches in the world that love Jesus with all of their heart. And when I was sitting there with the Lord, the Lord was like, Darren, what are you doing? You need to celebrate and be thankful for the fact that that is happening in your church because I can work with that. Come on, Revelation says, man, listen, I got some problems with you as the church. You're neither hot nor cold, but listen, if you're hot, I can really work with some fire. Right? It's the foundation, and I was missing it in the moment. Number two, 
He was teaching them to see that the grace of God, that in the grace of God, challenges actually work for our good. Now, I want to give context here. And this is our theological position and belief, and we believe this with all of our hearts. God does not bring challenges upon us. God does not give us cancer. God does not reap havoc over our lives and then says, hey, I'm doing this so that you can become more like me. But what he does do is he works in the midst of those challenges, and we know where those challenges are coming from, to turn them ultimately for our good. I remember even the whole issue of betrayal, you know, that's a painful one. You ever walk through something like that? You have someone you love, you never expected in a million years would betray you? The pain of that? Come on, you remember in Braveheart when William Wallace is out there on that field and he, there's that guy with the mask on and it was, I can't remember the name of the guy from Scotland, the other, one of the other leaders, and they hit each other and then the mask falls off and it ends up being this other leader and William Wallace finds out that the guy's on the other side of him in this moment when he said that he was with him. And it took all the life out of William Wallace. He just laid there and wanted to die because he was in so much pain from betrayal. One time I was talking to God about betrayal, and he said, listen, instead of letting it affect you negatively, Darren, why don't you look at it as a special adventure that you and I get to go on together? Why don't you look at it as a moment when I could be something to you in that moment that I could never be to you in any other moment? You see, when we're walking through the stuff right now with our parents, with the death of my mom last year and Wendy's dad, you know, being put into hospice care, there are places that God can go in our hearts in these times that he can never go in any other time. I don't know what you're facing or what you're walking through, but I want to tell you this. Man, God, may he give you the grace to see that he can make your challenge work out for your good if you would simply be thankful. And look, first point, at what God is doing versus what he isn't doing. Lastly, as we close. I said this earlier, but the grace of God to see that we can only give away what we've received from God. But I want to give some more oomph to that. That comes out of our brokenness. Do you remember... The feeding of the 5,000, they took the little that they had and they broke it and they started handing it out. So the little even became littler. Weakness. Jesus, when he was betrayed, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. So what he started off with became less as it was dispersed to his friends. Which was a reminder, in my opinion, to the day of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So can you imagine, on that day of the feeding, there's this massive need. Have you ever felt the, the, the weight of 
the massive need of our world right now and humanity and moments that we're walking through, you're just like, my God, it just feels almost overwhelming. And then the peace that we're given is so small. And to the world, this is how the church operates. God is breaking just a little something and giving it to each of us to steward. And we often look at that and we go, my God, how am I going to work with this? I can imagine the day on the feeding of 5,000, their, their thoughts were probably, man, this is so overwhelming. We don't have enough. If I do step out and start to feed others with this little thing that I have, Am I going to run out and look like a fool? Maybe I should just self-preserve and take this piece to myself and be done with it. But I believe that there was a moment like the Corinthians with the revelation that Paul was giving them that Jesus had passed on to his disciples and they said, this is what we have. I'm not looking what we don't have. I'm not even going to focus on that right now. This is what I have, and this is what you're doing. And even the adversity of this moment where there's all these people starving, basically, it's going to work for my good. So here, brother, take some of my little... Thank you, God, for what you've given. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, that this is going to work ultimately for my benefit. And then it just kept multiplying until one was fed and 10 and then 100 and then 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. 5,000 men because of a thankful heart. Listen, I said earlier that I love the fall season. I gotta be honest, I don't like winter. I grew up in Montana. It would start snowing in October and sometimes not end until June or July. True story. I remember being a kid, 4th of July parade. I think you guys know my father worked for Evil Knievel. I remember being on the back of Evil Knievel's motorcycle, doing a wheelie at five years old, and snowflakes coming down in my hometown. I'm like, this is not computing. Everybody's like, Darren, the Rockies are so beautiful. Yes, until it's 40 below in February. And then they're not beautiful at all. You're just trying to survive. One winter, me and my buddy, it was literally, it was 45 below without the windshield factor. We decided to fire up his snowmobile, and we couldn't even get it started outside, so we started it in the garage. We had to let it run for over an hour in the garage just to have enough steam to start to get moving. It was that cold. We put on our snowmobile suits, and we got about... 50 yards outside the garage and with the windshield factor and the windshield factor from riding those snowmobiles our little suits began to break off of us true story 
Try wearing a jacket when it breaks off of you. It's so cold. And I was alarmed. I I started to panic. I started to breathe in air. And that air began to freeze my lungs. I was like, Lord, Florida, Florida. It was a cry of intercession at 18 that manifests itself when I was 33. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I'm always posting beautiful images of South Florida in December and January and February, and I put so flow living because I want people to see the blessing that's on my life right now. If I want snow, I'll get in an airplane and go see it for a little while, and then I'm going to come home. Listen, fall prepares us for winter. Thankfulness prepares us to carry Jesus into cold, dark places of people's hearts and lives. And if we're right there with them thinking the world's going to end, we have nothing to give them. We have no hope to bring. What is he doing? Can you see that the devil can never win, that it always works for your benefit? Can you see that out of your brokenness, you actually, listen to me, now have capacity to feed the multitudes? If you weren't broken into many pieces, you would only have a little piece to give. But your brokenness can feed the world. Would you stand with me all over this place? Would you close your eyes with me, Lord? Tomorrow, we're going to look for what you're doing and not for what you aren't doing. Come on, agree with me. This is our culture. We are going to look for what you are doing, not for what you're not doing. We are going to enter into a negativity fast. And we will love negative people at arm's length. We will love them, but they won't influence our hearts because we carry something greater. And it's called perspective. We will look at everything that's happening and see it as an opportunity for growth. See it as an opportunity for you to take us on an adventure. See it as an opportunity for you to be something to us in that moment that you could never be in any other moment. And we ask for you to manifest your will, manifest your kingdom, manifest your heart, manifest your life. And we say even if we get broken, may out of the beautifulness of our thankful heart, may we give that experience away in humility to the multitudes of the earth. You see, your healing is somebody else's breakthrough. Your story is someone else's permission to go on a journey themselves to see what happened in your life come to pass in theirs. Lord, would you bring that? We're going to have our ministry teams come forward. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you would say, wow, I didn't even know Jesus was like that. Listen, we want you to know this one.
called the Son of God. And we want what we're experiencing to be something that you're experiencing. So if you're like, hey, I want to know this Jesus, we want you to come down, talk about it to our team, have conversation. Maybe something today positioned you. I believe it's a key moment in our culture right now. We're called to be culture changers, bringing transformation where there's brokenness, and we're going to do it out of a thankful heart. And even in our brokenness, we're going to win the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Come on, let's thank him. We thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you. I want you to write down 10 things you're thankful for when you go home today. We are thankful, God. Can we just give the Lord a huge, massive hand clap of praise? Come on. Come on, let's do it. Let's really thank God for how good he is. He is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day. If you want ministry, come on down. We'll see you next week.